This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, you know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. All right, about to get into the podcast with Colby Calais, who we have met a few times. Uh, Let's see. Back in the day when I was doing pop radio, she would do the regular station thing. So no way she would know me from then. Uh, But I met her then. We do get in the podcast talking about how I awkwardly shot her on Instagram over and over again. I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Um, So that comes up, met her there. And then we were looking for artists for our Raging Idiots Million Dollar Show because we had, uh, you know, we do it every year and invite a bunch of artists. And I thought it'd be fun to get Colby to play. And then Gone West, her band played. So um, yeah, we've had a few interactions, but I would say until this podcast you're about to hear, we kind of hadn't spent any time together, it, it, like hanging out or anything. Um, but I enjoyed it. I, you're going to hear some a little bit. I enjoyed. I feel like there aren't uh, some. I feel like her and I and her her fiance. I feel like we would probably be able to hang out a little bit. Yeah, because she's pretty chill, and it, I felt like as it went along, because I never try to hang out with anybody. Because I'm like, you know what? I'm so just to myself, not trying to hang out and be friends with it. But it's, you'll hear, she's very much like that too. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, she has like a very warm presence to her. Oh, I was just talking about how, how shy and introverted that she said she was. But um, I did not bring up, and I'll kind of roll through this a little bit. Um, I guess she's hardcore vegan. Yeah. Is she hardcore vegan or vegan? Vegan, yeah. She's supportive of animal rights and is a vegan. All about it, yeah. Yeah. I wish I was all about something. Dang, I just watched all about anything. <laughs> uh, so Colby Calais coming up in a second. Uh, let me recommend that you check out Movie, Movie Mike's podcast over there. It's called a Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, where if you love movies, he's the guy to check out his podcast. It really is growing and, and doing wonderful. And so uh, check it out. What's happening on this week's episode? I'm breaking down the new Batman movie. Okay. And then I'm looking at like all the actors who played Batman and just kind of dedicating a whole episode to that. And what was your last episode? I did um, 
roles and reasons that actors turned him down, but weird reasons. Not just because of like scheduling conflicts, but like there was something. Give me one. So like Tom Cruise was going to be um, the main guy in Shawshank Redemption, but he didn't want to work with a first time director. So he's like, I'm not going to do it. Um, so yeah, check out that. Amy's got four things with Amy Brown. Uh, if you like sports, the guys have uh, the Sore Loser show, Velvet's Edge with Kelly Henderson, Caroline Hobby's podcast. So it's rolling. We got a lot of shows up on the on the Nashville Podcast Network. If you want to see all the network of shows, you can also go to NashvillePodcastNetwork.com. Um, anything else, Mike, before we get into Colby Calais? I think we got it all. Okay, enjoy. I really enjoyed my talk with Colby. We um, talked for an hour. I think we were both surprised when it was over that it was an hour long. Some of these just kind of fly by. Some of them don't. Some of them are like, boy, we had to be here for at least getting close to an hour. 19 minutes? Oh, my God. <laughs> the really good ones are we get like 40 minutes in and we haven't talked about any music. Yeah, and I felt like we, Colby and I could have done that here, but I wanted to talk about her, her band first mm-hmm. and just kind of go there. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. Here we go. Enjoy. Check out the podcasts. Um, and if you don't mind, throw us a rating. Just uh, give us, how many stars is Max star? The five stars. Give us five stars and write a nice comment. That really does matter. And this podcast is blowing up unbelievably. I can't even believe how big this thing's getting. I, that's the, you heard me talking about that. I just can't believe it. So, and that's all thanks to you guys. So if you don't mind hitting that up, rating it, reviewing it, that'd be awesome. And uh, here you go. All right, episode 228 with Colby Calais. I was telling you, because we were just talking, and I said, just, just roll on it. Um, so we started doing this podcast. Mike, how long ago? Like three years ago. And I was just doing it from my house because I was like, you know what, who I'd like to talk to long form or actual songwriters. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to kind of go a little deeper because I have friends and I do comedy and I write books. So it's just a different, it's just exposure to a different kind of um, the process that you, you get. Like okay. people see the stage, but they don't see everything else. And so we started doing it thinking nobody would listen. Because that's how we think. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just a passion project. Yeah, but I would bring on my favorite songwriters, and again, I was being very selfish because, and there were some of my friends that I would never get to ask real deep questions about work with because you just don't do that with your friends. Yeah, maybe you do if the, the setting's right, but you don't go to dinner with your friend and their wife and go. So track six. Totally. <laughs> um, so it started from that, and then as it started to get bigger and bigger, then sponsors wanted to get involved, and now. It's like one of the biggest... Po- it's just it's amazing. A- so we didn't expect it to be this. Um, and that's the whole thing. And yes, everybody comes to the house. That's great. Because I don't want to go back to the studio. No, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. and Do you live close? You don't have to say where you live. Do you live close to here? Yeah. You do live? Mm-hmm. Uh, Not far. Some people were like, be there at 6 p.m. And then Joe Diffie, t- it took him like, what, hour and 40 uh, minutes to get something here? Something like that. <laughs> How? I'm not sure if he walked or drove. <laughs> There's but, bad traffic here, but I yeah. mean, that's a little much. Well, good to see you. Good to see you, So too. how you been? What's happening? Um, been good. Had some a little bit of time off after, you know, the holidays. And we had a lot, you know, with the Gone West, the band I'm in, we've been touring a lot the last year. So it was nice to have some time back in California with family. And now it's good to be back here in Nashville. So when you guys start back as Gone West, you kind of have to start over again, mm-hmm. which is... I guess probably weird for you to have to start over, but also it's got to be weird to start over, but everybody all already knows who you are mm-hmm. when you're trying to spread it amongst four. Yeah. Like I, that would be an uncomfortable thing that you have to deal with up front, I'm mm-hmm. sure. So you walk into a radio station, but you're Colby Calais, but you have three people nobody's ever heard of yet. How does that, and how does that work? Well, yeah, it's interesting. And, and 
I think the funny part about it is I wanted to be in a band because I the spotlight would be off me and it, it would just you know I it wouldn't just be only me and it's not now it's it's all of us but there is still that factor that you know they they know who I am and they know my music and there's a lot of them that want an extra picture after with just me or they want they request one of my songs and it's been an interesting thing to balance because you know, you don't want to upset people, but I also want it to be focused on Gone West and, and um, I'll still do my music on the side, but I, it's just a balance that we're learning still, basically. Do you have to have that conversation with the guys? And I'm sure they know going into it as well. I mean, you're famous and they're really great musicians, but they're not famous yet. Mm-hmm. So is that something you guys sit in a room and go, okay, here's what's going to happen and here's mm-hmm. how we're going to deal with it? Because I have to do that with my show all the time. Do you? Yeah, we have to talk about scenarios that could probably happen whenever we when something like this just to be prepared for no, it. No, that's smart. That's a really good idea. Um no therapy? No like paramour go to therapy as a group? Oh no, there's group therapy. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I think there's I mean therapy is just healthy. There's a lot of different dynamics. And you know, we all started out as friends. Like we've been friends for about 14 years and we're two couples in the band and I think that we've all been our own solo artists and individual songwriters and to now do this all together, it's um it's an important thing for us to be able to get Help, have help with our communication, basically. You guys are really um, good. Like next you. next level sounding good. I, I didn't know. <laughs> I knew you were good, but I didn't know until you guys played just Aww. how good you were. And I think maybe you're having to do that now. I go show people. Yeah, yeah. We're having it. We're we're going to play our songs, and you know we love this album that we made, and it's it's taken us like two and a half years to write this album, but we wrote it all together. And and yeah, I think just the the factor of of with with my name in, in the band, um, they all knew that going into it. And they, so it's nothing that they were, you know, going to have an issue with or, or be worried about, you know, everyone was prepared. They've known me forever. So they knew that was a part of it. Now, are you only doing Gone West or are you also doing solo stuff? I'm doing occasional solo stuff, but not really. Like I'll do a, a occasional show here and there, a festival, but um, we're, Gone West is taking up so much of our time. So you're saying you're not pursuing anything solo like creating and putting out new music as Colby not right now I want to though like I want to start doing that in the next couple months and and um you you know I I write by myself at home sometimes but I want to book some sessions just for me that I can think of putting out in the in the future but you know there's no plan for that as of yet because yeah is the co-write a little weird to you that it's such a culture in Nashville since you do write a lot by yourself well, I've, I'm used to co-writing. So all my, most of my songs I've co-written, you know, my first album I co-wrote with Jason Reeves, who's in Gone West. And um, I think the difference is, is in LA and as an artist, we, you know, I would write on the road, but I would, I would mainly write when I have a, an album I'm writing for. And I'd, I'd keep stuff like in the bank. So I'd, I'd start something on the road and I'd bring it into a session in LA. And um, I think the difference here is, is people write like one to two songs a day. It's like a nine to five job. And they're so, um, they're so professional at it. They're so, you know, well, um, just, you know, it, their craft has been so, uh, mastered. And so for me, I take a long, uh, break before I write again. And so I think that's been the interesting thing about coming here and having to write more often is I didn't do that with my solo career. I would start songs by myself and I'd, I'd book some writing sessions, you know, here and there, and then I'd have an album. And here you you end up writing a lot more. You mentioned Jason wrote the song, or you and Jason worked on the first record mm-hmm. together. So you guys have been writing together that long? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So how did you two initially start working together or get to know each other? It's kind of crazy. So um, 
it ultimately it was from uh, the the guy who ended up producing my album Coco, Michael Blue. He was one of my dad's. You know, my dad had a, a record label, and Michael Blue was an artist at the time, and he was signed to him, and then ended up just going on to being a producer. So I had met Michael back then when I was like 15 and Michael heard me sing. Um, I was just like harmonizing next to him in the studio and he was like, oh my God, I should get you in the studio. And so that was my first start of like being in the studio was working with Michael Blue and someone that he knew, Anna, who she also worked for my dad back in the day. She met Jason randomly in New York for something. And basically they connected us thinking Jason has to come to LA to write and you guys you guys should just be friends. That was basically all it was. I had never written, I'd written one song in my life. No one, I was 19, 19 and a half. And so Jason came to LA. They asked me to pick him up from the studio because he needed a friend, like an, a friend in LA. And we wrote a song together that night. And that was the first co-write that we ever had. We didn't plan to have a co-write. We just wrote in my bedroom at my house in Thousand Oaks. And so that's really how we met. It was crazy. Boy, that's whole, like full circle here. Well, yeah, so that's why, that's how this band kind of came about is, so um, Jason's wife, Danelle, who was in the Jane Deere Girls, she's lived in Nashville for 15 years. Um, and then um, me and my fiance, Justin, um, who've been together for 10 years, and um, we moved here to, to try living in a new city. And it just kind of progressed. We all hung out and we all started writing songs together. And so then we turned it into a band. And so when for you does it go, okay, I think I want to try this. Either you're bored mm-hmm. or... You are uninspired. Mm-hmm. What about, or you're just so inspired, which I'm sure is part of it too, so don't take that the wrong way. No, one. no, I know what you mean. But what pivoted you to go, yeah, I think I, I want to take all my time and energy, because we only have so much of it. Only have so we only much. have so much. It's not unlimited <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. to take my time and energy and put it into this and put it in because we know they're going to put their full energy in mm-hmm. and it's going to be up to you to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. At what point did you decide you guys wanted to do that? Um, well, it was about two and a half years ago. We just put a one writing session on the books and I had moved to Nashville a year before. Um, and I tried doing the writing thing, trying to write for other people. And I I didn't really feel comfortable with it in that way. Um, and so basically I wanted to take a bunch of time off from my solo career. And I had always wanted to be in a band, like I said, because I, it would take some of the spotlight off me. I'm, I'm a shy, I'm an introvert and I have stage fright. So, um, to me, I was like, I'll take a break from my music and see what happens. And in the process, we thought starting this band sounded like a really fun idea. But really, we didn't know where we were going to take it. We thought, let's write a song, see what happens. We loved the first song. We actually thought, like, let's just put it up on the internet like next the next week and just let it go. And then a lot of our you know friends and our team that we, you know, my team, um, they were like, actually, you guys kind of have something here. You guys should keep going with it. And then it turned into this two and a half year process. I'm going to play a few of these songs, uh, parts of them, and then I want to come back and talk about Stage Fright for a second. <laughs> uh, here is What Could Have Been from Gone West. We left blood on the tracks, sweat on the saddle, fire in the hills, a bullet in the belt. Words never said in a story that didn't end. When they're doing the mix on this song, do you, all right, let's make all four of the vocals are exactly even. Well, that's a that's a tricky thing. So I mean that no, I swear we had no idea how difficult it was having four people in the band in in all aspects because no one knows how to handle it. Like 
on even on the road being playing live like anyone mixing us it's it's a challenge because not only are there four of us but we all sing lead at different times in different songs so that's how it is for mixing the album and it was the same there's every every song has a different level and you know one of us is singing lead you know on the chorus different on each song so um yeah there is definitely a balance of trying to figure out how you make it sound like a harmony band but also where you can find the lead vocal that anyone can sing along to so do you guys go all right that i'm it like when you're if you're writing a song <laughs> like who gets it i mean cuz listen i'm yeah. friends with a little big town guys and they deal with this for them you know Karen yeah. does most of them but mm-hmm. Jimmy will come up and yeah. Kimberly will come up but that's a thing with them too a little bit yeah but how how do you how do you get it who calls it for sure the funny part with us is that we actually uh, want the other person to do it. So it, there's, it's a exhaustion of the, uh, no, you do it. No, you, your voice would sound amazing. Like we're always encouraging the other person to sing, which is kind of funny. Um, and so really it just depends on, you know, a lot of times, like we have a song in the album called New You that we thought it was going to be a boy singing it, uh, one of the boys. And then we started recording it and we were like, oh, that actually, the lyrics just don't sound right coming from a male. So then we had to re-record the whole song, change the key, make it from a girl's perspective. And then in that sense, it's it's deciding if Nelly or I do it or if we each take a verse or, you know, usually I'm on the choruses, I'm, I'm lead on the chorus. And then, um, you know, she's more soprano, I'm more alto singer. So it, it really is a tricky thing. Every single song has been completely different. Here is, and by the way, uh, self-titled songs are very rare. <laughs> very, very rare. I, Gone West. Yeah. Well, we wrote it after the band name. So Justin came up with the idea of wanting to, you know, make a uh, explain the genesis of where this band came from and how we're couples and how we're from west of Tennessee. And um, so, yeah, it's Here, interesting. Here's Gone West. Here is confetti. Yeah, my heart didn't break when I broke into that old bottle of fancy champagne. I've been saving for the So what was your big takeaway hopping in the studio and having three other artists? At the same time, where so many times you're in and it's a solo project. You know, I, I think it's really fun because there's um I like not only, like I've said, the, the attentions, the spotlight's not only on me, but I, I love getting to watch all of them sing their verses, or I love the feeling when we all come in together on a harmony, on the chorus, or on some part of a verse. And so it makes it really fun um, that that we share the work and that we share the celebration and the hard times. And so I think that it, it I've liked it. Your fiance, Justin tall, great looking, can, play, can sing, just is, is my type. He's my type of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys, you say you've been together 10 years, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. And did you ever go, I don't know if we should be in a band together because that may, like a reality show. Like we don't know if we should do a reality show because it may break us up. Did you ever think that would be a little added pressure? I mean, I, I know a lot of people think that. And the thing is that both of us couples in the band, we actually started out working together as friends and then fell in love. So Jason and Nellie, they met in a writing session in Nashville 10 years ago, and they started dating a year and a half after that. And now they're married and they've been making music together for years. And same with me and Justin. We were He was in my band and like 13 years ago, and we toured together for three years and then fell in love. And so we knew what touring and traveling and, and the whole dynamics of writing together or recording together. And obviously this is a heightened version of it, but um, I think we knew 
we knew we could handle it because that's how we started. That's all we've known. I, when you were you and him were together, and I was just being funny. I was on an airplane with you. Do you remember? I, I was. To- I wanted to talk to you about this. <laughs> I, and I was I was being really funny. We were both. Um, I, you were in like the first row, and I was in like the third row. And I was like, "Oh, there's Colby Calais." So I just post on Instagram being funny. <laughs> And then it started kind of to pick up steam with everybody that was following me. Mm-hmm. And then I just did a whole, it turned into a whole diary saga on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then we walked out of the airport. And I don't think we ever said hi or anything. No. Well, because yeah, yeah. we didn't know each other. But I was like, I think that that's Bobby. And I feel like, well, because on the plane, my friends were, I had internet or whatever. I had Wi-Fi. And they were telling me, you know that Bobby is posting about you. And I was like, <laughs> what is happening? And I couldn't like see because my, I couldn't get the whatever Instagram to work. But I, I was, I thought it was hilarious. And then I was like, well, if that. He would say hi to me though, but so you would we think, both, but I'm a weirdo, a complete well, so, weirdo. So and that's what I said. I'm like, well, I'm I'm a person. I don't say hi to people. Just not that I don't want to. I'm shy. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you because I was like, I feel like we knew it was happening, but we never addressed it. Like, and then we were hi. together a couple of weeks ago at mm-hmm. the Ryman. Oh, also, it was, I was just being funny, but also I'm like that too. I don't want to bother people. And I was totally. like, you know what? I got my comedy bit out of it. <laughs> people liked it. I didn't know you guys were living in Nashville though. Mm-hmm. I thought you guys were just coming to Nashville, and it was you and Justin together. Yeah. How long have you guys been here? Three years. And why the pick up and move? Was it just musically, you just wanted a different vibe and inspiration? I had, we had both wanted to try living somewhere different, and um, he's from Hawaii. He lived in L.A. for like 15 years, and I have never left California. And so it was either Hawaii or like Portland, because we thought that sounded cool, um, or here. And here we had friends. We could do music. It just made sense that this was the, the smart move. And I had been coming here for years writing, and I loved it, and I just love the people. And Jason and Nelly really helped introduce us to a lot of friends that m- helped Nashville feel like home. Does it feel like home now? For sure. I mean, yeah. I still miss California, and I still plan on living there at some point. But I, I love it here, and it's, it's beautiful. There is no beach here. There's no beach. Is that what you miss the most or what? I miss the weather like today. Did you get to enjoy it today? I had no. I don't no? Mm-hmm. What? It, no. Work, work, I, that's all I do. Work, I know. Work, I was work, actually going to say, I wanted to talk to you about that. How do you work, keep work. up? Because, I mean, it, everything that you do, you do so many different things. But it's I'm amazing. not that good at anything, though. No, that's why not I true. do everything. No, no. No, that's no. the real reason. If I had a, 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 like an amazing skill and a, a skill I could craft as yourself, I would probably focus on just that. But I don't. But you have. I'm hustling you have a like, million skills and crafts. So. No, no. I'm hustling in like 90 <laughs> areas or I'm not particularly great in any of them. That's, I think that's how we all feel about ourselves. So You don't feel like that. No, I think a lot of people do. And I think that I want to do more than, than singing and writing. But I also know that this is something that I've done for so long. So it's kind of all you know. But I, I do want to branch. I don't, I don't want to act or do things like that. But I think that there's – I just think it's amazing because you do – uh, I'm scared to do more. I don't think I could balance more, but I see you do it and it's impressive. Like we all look at you and we're like, dude, how do you do all the things that you do? And you seem like you enjoy it. And I hope that you do enjoy it, but it, it's amazing that you can balance all of that. Well, that's very kind of you to say, uh, but I'll end on this note because I don't feel comfortable when people say <laughs> okay. very complimentary I'll take things. it all back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, now I feel good again. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. I, I think I do it because I don't, I feel like if I ever stop, it all goes away. Totally. And yeah. I do have a bit of, and who doesn't have the you know imposter syndrome? Exactly. Where I really am like, man, when they figured out I'm really not that good, it's all gone. Why do we all think that? But if we didn't think that, would we be as driven as we are too? So I think a bit I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. I'm all, and I, I spent a lot of time in therapy. Hey, a lot. I think every single human being should be in therapy. 
you get to just, they help you. They ask questions that you don't think that you don't even know you need asked to help figure out something that somehow in your childhood, you, it messed you up or whatever is happening now in life. So my therapist now is, um, a relationship therapist. She doesn't, that's what she focuses on. And she only has couples except for me. I go on by myself. (laughs) I started like six or seven months ago because I was like, I need help. Yeah. I was like, whatever I'm doing, I've got everything else. I, like I know how to set a goal and then go achieve it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's harder than, than others. Yeah. But I said, but in the relationship world, in just in interpersonal period, mm-hmm. interpersonal, I am not good. I'm not great with people unless there's a microphone in front of me or I'm on a stage doing comedy. I'm I'm awkward. Okay. I'm are you, what are you introverted or extremely? Are you just, that's hilarious. When it's not extrovert time, I could not be more introverted. Wow. Which is why I didn't say hi to you on the airplane. I was like, there's no way she wants to talk to me. I've been, uh, I've been, <laughs> you know, uh, roasting her on Instagram in a funny way, obviously. Yeah, no, for sure. But I was like, there's no way she wants to talk to me. I lowered my head and got out. Yep. So it's, it's a split well, we're in life. It. Now it's, okay. So I got nothing for, I, I'm just, I don't like talk to people because I'm like, they don't want me to bother them. Totally. So I go and we work on it. And I spent about four months, was going once, sometimes twice a week. Okay. Because she lives, I mean, not lives her office like a block from here, which is great for me. Yeah. And can I have her number? Yeah. You, you get <laughs> like, it. She does works it with help? a lot of, like, absolutely. Inter- okay. And Amazing. she works with a lot of creatives, which okay. for me, that's just a different level of psycho. Mm-hmm. For us to even try to do something creative, to think that we're good enough, that people want to buy what we're putting out, yeah. we're nuts. Yeah. Like, we, <laughs> we're broken in the way of we, we know our problems and issues and we struggle. But still, we think what we're good enough is good enough for people to spend their hard-earned money on. Yeah. And so it's just a weird world that we're creating and living in. Anyway, my point is, here's the great story to it. Okay. I went every week for like four months, and I got a freaking girlfriend. I had not have a girlfriend in years. And I've had a girlfriend now for like, how long, Mike? Like three months? Three months, yeah. Amazing. So what, you feel like it helped give you the courage to I don't know if it was courage, but it was more of, I started asking myself the questions that I needed to answer mm-hmm. that I never had even questioned about myself. Because we you know what therapists do. They just put a mirror up. Yeah. But some are more strategic than others and yeah. how they do it and what angle they tilt it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm the dope. <laughs> it's so it's basically, it's basically all that. So, okay. But, but therapy has been a big, big part of, Amazing. Of, of what I'm doing Okay. and why I do it. And I can be very vulnerable on stage. I can go do an hour of stand-up and say everything about me it does not bother me or get on the radio. And to a person, if this, these mics weren't here, I probably, oh, nothing. No, nope. I, we wouldn't be talking. Nothing. I would have left and <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Have, we would have shook on it and been like, yeah, let's not talk for we'd, sure. We'd have been gone. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer shaped the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed as the Boar's Nest, 
Stu's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, that's where they would spur each other and tap into something bigger and something realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Backrack as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The boar's nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means the families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. What's up with you and Justin being engaged for 10 years? That's something early you guys were like, we're going to put a solid decade in and then we'll talk about marriage. (laughs) No, it's so funny because we've been together for so long. We got engaged like four or five years ago. Um, Sorry, I'm not talking to the mic that often. Um, I, we both don't, we're not fans of weddings. Um, and back to the stage fright thing, it sounds hilarious because that's our job, but it sounds so crazy to us to have a wedding where you invite a bunch of people and you stand up in front of them and say vows. Like it gives us anxiety. Um, and so then we thought, well, we could just go sign papers or go get married at the courthouse, but that's not going to change anything to the dynamic of our relationship because we honestly have felt married this whole time. So that's our answer every time. So I'm not saying we're not gonna, but it's definitely, we have, we're good. And if it works, well, that's the thing. And it works for everyone, yeah. then it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why do you look at the table? Is, no, does it not I, work for everyone? No, it's okay. just a funny, it's a funny question because I always feel awkward answering and not saying it's bad to ask it. It's oh, don't a, worry. It's uh, an obvious question. Mics are on. I'm all, I'm Mr. Mr. No, Happy-go-lucky. Yeah. We, we, we get asked all the time and I think that I, I don't want to offend people, make them think that we don't appreciate marriage or respect marriage, but I also don't think that it's only about marriage. I think that a relationship is defined on how you, you know, treat each other and love each other. So I just, it, it's, it's funny. I didn't think it came off like that at all. Okay. I didn't think anyone okay. married would be like, that Colby Kelly, I'll <laughs> see her in hell. I okay, good. That wasn't a thing at all. No, cool. no, no. Um, I want to talk about stage fright. Again, odd that you would have it to someone who <clears throat> doesn't, deal with it themselves it's like anxiety to me where i would get anxiety and i had a lot of um of issues with i had ptsd for a long time and had a bunch of issues getting jumped and so i i would get anxiety for no reason but then i would know there was some kind of root to it yeah. right and i just never understood it until i got it and yeah. people would say oh, i have anxiety and honestly i'd be like oh shut up yeah you know just take a nap <laughs> and then it started to creep up on me when i couldn't control it and i would go oh Okay, mm-hmm. now I feel what I've been hearing about. The same thing I would say with stage fright. Mm-hmm. So someone like yourself that is known to be a wonderful performer, like when did this start to hit and how in the world did you get over it? 
it's been forever and I've never got over it. Um, Even now? No, it's every time. It's, it's kind of like uh, starting at square one again every time. I mean, it depends. If it's my own shows, I still get nervous for sure. But like two songs in, I end up being good and I love the audience and they make me not want to get off the stage. But every time before, I'm like, why would I do this? Like, I'm not an, I don't want to be an entertainer. I love, ultimately what happened, I love singing. I've sung since I was like a kid. I wrote some songs for fun. My friend from high school put them up on MySpace. And then because of that, I got offered a record deal that was, I, well, how could I pass that up? I had this amazing opportunity of, you know, I love writing songs. I love singing. I did not like the touring or the performing factor of it. And so I had to really grow and deal with that the first many years of my career. And it was torture. And you could look back at some TV performances and see it on my face. I mean, everyone just, it was, it was horrifying, basically. It was just terrifying for me. Um, so I think the amount of experience I've had has helped me get through it. Um, I wouldn't say I enjoy it all the time. I'd say every time is like the anxiety that you're, you were talking about. That's just what I feel right before I go on stage when I'm up there. And the more I've actually learned about talking about myself and how when I'm uncomfortable has actually helped me feel more comfortable. So I started telling people the past few years, I have, I'm an introvert and I'm shy. And then I end up actually talking more to the audience somehow. So really letting my guard down like that has helped. TV appearances are funny because you go out and you do one song or one quick hit and then yeah. it's over. Mm-hmm. It's like, here we go. Boom, swish, boom, on to yeah. the next thing. And if you're suffering from stage fright early, you're only early on TV. Yes. So you just walk out there and battle it. Battle it. It's a challenge. And I we have a Today Show performance coming up in a couple of weeks. And I'm already mentally just trying to figure out. I mean, Justin and I today, he was um, helping me f- find this. There's a coach that we're trying to find what coach can help me get through it. Like, m- meaning like figure out, get to the bottom of where this comes from. What is my reason that I have such anxiety? And why is it heightened? Like the fact, just to be honest with you, like I thought this was just like a podcast. And to know there's cameras, I'm already just like, I don't know why. I don't know what it is. But it it makes me feel more nervous when I'm on camera or live somewhere. So it's weird. I deal with a lot of the contestants on American Idol and they come in, they're like, I'm so nervous. <laughs> you know, what do I do? And so and they, I think stage fright and nerves are a different thing though. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you this question first. What okay. would you tell them? It's a, let's say a 19 year old girl is like, mm-hmm. what do I do about nerves? Because mm-hmm. it's a, just a generic but often asked question. Yeah. What would you tell them? I mean, ultimately uh, practicing your craft and that is that right there will give you that confidence if you don't practice enough or you're not prepared for the situation of course you're going to have that extra layer of discomfort and and nerves you're going to mess up um uh taking deep breaths i mean i had a stage coach that had told me back in the day to look in the mirror at yourself and say like five good things repeat five good things about yourself in the mirror it doesn't have to be physical it could be whatever to just kind of build yourself up that confidence um those are things I would say, and those are things I do. I don't say, I can't say that they work for me entirely or all the time. And sometimes I'll think I'm not nervous and I'll go out there and I'll, I'll just kill it. I'll be, I'll be like, that was so much fun. How, I don't know what the, the key was that made me not nervous. And then sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll go out there and I'll just literally like barely get through a show. And it's crazy. Even near the end of the show, you're still feeling it a bit. More, more short shows or more like I just did this, um, this uh, charity event at Carnegie Hall in December. And I sang three songs with this gigantic orchestra and these incredible artists were there. And I, I just was, I was so scared. The whole, the three songs, I was like, no one, they said they couldn't tell, but I was, my hands were literally shaking. I could tell my voice was shaky. I had, I lose my breath when I get nervous. And I, 
it was just the whole three songs. And I, I was just looking at this opportunity that I had. And I'm like, why are you, you should be happy that you're up here. But instead I was just like, I can't wait till I'm off this stage and the pressure is off. What I was looking back at like, I'm at Carnegie Hall in New York at an amazing charity charity benefit with an orchestra and all these incredible artists. So I don't know. I need I need therapy for it for sure. You know, and and what I tell a lot of them is because they'll go, I'm about to go out and perform in front of the judges or live on TV, and my approach is a, a bit more pragmatic where I go, Hey, you already know you're going to be nervous. Yeah. So as long as you don't get up there and go, Well, how do I not be nervous while you're on stage? Just accept you're going to be nervous that one later you're already passed. True. Because when you get up there, you're going to be nervous. And yeah. if you start trying to battle, how, how do I get nervous? That's true. You just wasted a little bit of your energy and time and, and mental capacity going. Yeah. You're already going to be nervous. Yeah. So when you walk up there, you're just going to be nervous. Tell yourself, Well, I'm about to be nervous. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. Uh, and again, and then I tell them, you know, and you've done this far more than I have musically. I tell them, the more you do it, the more you'll be less nervous. Yeah. Unless you're Colby Calais, who tends to <laughs> somehow not be able to shake it. I know. Well, I've also heard people say, think of it as a friend. Like, think of that nerves and that fear as a friend. And then um, also, if you imagine the scenario of it going good before you go out there, then you can already train your brain to think that it's going to go good. Um, I haven't... I, so I Sometimes I think I'm too nervous to even think of any of these things before I go out, but... Um, I do think that there is a, a way and I plan on finding it. So I'll let well, you know. Keep searching. <laughs> I I struggle with the think about if things go good. Yeah. I struggle with that one. You think it's going to go bad? Oh, always. Yeah. Always. Um, it, have you ever tried any, any chemical? Because when I was doing Dance with the Stars, I took a Xanax before I went out once. Oh, yeah. Because my heart was just... Yeah. Because I, I don't know how to dance. Yeah. I'm dancing for 8 million people. What am I even doing here? Yeah. And my heart was racing out of control. And then that was, that was not good mm-hmm. because I was started to. Totally. <laughs> and then I wasn't really oh, feeling shoot. it. Have you yeah. tried any of that? Have you tried anything to call drinking anything before? Yeah. I and and I, I don't drink too much, but I'll have like a shot of uh, Jameson whiskey in my, I just have hot water and honey on stage. And then I put a shot of um, the Jameson in there. I feel like it helps take a little edge off. I become a little bit more, like a little bit more fun, but I could never have too much booze before I go out because um, that's accidentally happened like one time and I, I feel like I can't hear myself like I, I go off pitch and then I also feel like I'm I just worry <laughs> like I'm gonna trip or I, I just I would never want to be that boozy on stage um, I have tried Xanax a couple times and I do think that it has helped because it takes the the jitters out but again uh, it affects your voice and I also don't want to have to be on Xanax every time I play a show so I don't I don't allow myself to do that but believe me I've thought about it I didn't know that there. This is how dumb I am to drugs or alcohol because I've I've never had a drink of alcohol and I've never tried a drug, um, because I'm afraid I'll be super addicted to it. Yeah, that's the only reason. Or I would try all of them. I would love yeah. to have them all right now. <laughs> like if I could, I just have it all. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that there were different sizes that would do different things to oh. you. So apparently, I took the whale. Oh God. Yeah, which I should have probably taken the pee. Okay. And I was just like, gulp, let's go, and oh, took no. it. Yeah, and it was just like. I've heard there's different doses. Like in, is it old school where he gets shot with a dart mic, and he's like, oh, God. whoa. Yes. Shot in the neck, yeah. yeah. That's what that it felt was, like. Oh, that's shoot. What, that's really? what it felt like, yeah. Uh, you mentioned MySpace, because <laughs> I guess unless you're 34, yeah. 35 and above. Yeah. Um, like you kind of miss that. Yeah. But that was, because Lady Annabellum. Big MySpacers. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's kind of how they ended up finding each other, was oh. connecting on MySpace. Okay. Uh, there was a whole five or six years where a lot of artists were being yeah. broken because their MySpace pages had blown up. Yep. 
So for you, your friend takes your music and just uploads it onto her page or your page or how did that work? His page, or oh, sorry, it was him and it was, he made me a page. So he, he told me, um, you know, there's this thing called MySpace Music. You can upload music. And um, I think that, because I just had these few demos. So he put these demos up, which he, it, it was funny because Bubbly there, I had actually sung a line kind of wrong. Like I said the wrong thing and it was just the demo. He put that up. So eventually because that song from there got so huge, people noticed when I actually did go and change the one little line that I messed up. Um, so yeah, he, he made me a page and people somehow over, honestly, a few months period of time all over the world listened to it. And because they, you know, you could add the song to your page, which was, that was so cool. You can like, have your own profile. Song, like this, yeah. Like yeah. this song represents me. Yes, yeah. exactly. Your own wallpaper. It was amazing. And so because of that, I became the number one unsigned artist. And then I got, um, I had a bunch of labels, you know, um, bidding, whatever. It was, it was crazy. I was 20 years old. I had literally not even asked for this to happen or expected it to happen or been prepared for it to happen. So how does the first person get in touch with you? And do you even believe them? Well, so at that point, I think I was, I had, I was getting, I don't even remember the stats, but I had a bunch of followers or, or listens or whatever it was. And so my dad was like, honey, I think this is becoming a thing. We should talk to a manager and see what, um, and so my manager today, Chad, who um, Hillary works for, um, he's been my manager since. And he basically was like, okay, let's ever, none of us knew what social media was or what it was going to do. So then, um, the labels contacted him and then we went to New York and LA and met all these. Yeah, it was, it was bizarre. And then within six months, I was on tour with the Goo Goo Dolls playing, you know, 10,000 seat amphitheaters and playing TV shows. And I was 21 and I had never played live before, basically, in my life. It was crazy. I met Chad on an airplane now that I think about it. You did? We sat beside each other. He lived in Brentwood? Yeah. Yeah. We sat beside each other. That's so funny. And he was like, I work with, I didn't think anything of it because mm-hmm. everybody's trying to sell me something, right? Yeah. And I was like, you work Colby Cali, shut up. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't even live here. But, I, but you do what her, but no, he, that's who that was. That's we were, so funny. We were flying together and he was like, I work with, now I feel like, because I didn't believe him. I don't believe anything anybody says. Well, yeah. I mean, unless, yeah, you have a chance to look them up and that's really hard. Yeah. And then I just mostly forget. No, of course. Why would you yeah, think? Who cares? I'm, yeah. I'm way popular. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I met him. He was a real nice guy. Yeah, and you guys great. have been together for a long time, huh? The whole time. So before, like, when the MySpace thing started, yeah, he's my bud. And who, who hits you up and goes, "Come play with the Goo Goo Dolls"? Do they? Does Johnny Resnick ever call you himself and go, "Yo, Colby, <laughs> we want to have you out on the road with us"? No, not with that. Jason Mraz did call me after my first album came out to have me sing um, and write "Lucky" with him. But no, it was um, it all just kind of happened where they. Um, I think right right then I got the record deal. Then I I signed with um, WME, and then I think they just start booking. I don't know. And it was all whirlwind. Literally instant. Like I I signed I think in January, and I was on tour. My album came out in um, July, and I was on tour before that. So. And in that world, pop world, rock world, for the most part, different than country world, where I'll go out on the road Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Your tours, I would imagine, you tell me I'm wrong, it's most of the time. It was two years for sure. Like yeah. you just almost don't go home unless you get a break. Yeah. Well, you especially your first, your first, your new artist and it's your first album. So that's what we're dealing with with Gone West right now too is you're, you have to be gone all the time. You have to say yes to everything. And so, um, but for me back then, it was something uh, I had never experienced being gone for months at a time around all over the world and missing my family, missing weddings and birthdays. And two of my dogs passed away while I was gone. All that kind of crazy stuff that I literally just was just thrown into. 
How but crazy. I was lucky. So whenever you start singing freaking bubbly and thousands of people are singing yeah. back, I mean that's got to be nutty when you first start, right? It's so it's amazing. It, it's really it's so sweet that you know people still know that song and listen to it, and that that happened. And I think what, what's so funny is that none of us would have thought that bubbly would have been the first single or the thing to react to people because at that time it was more produced stuff and it was more um, up tempo songs. So we thought the more up tempo songs on Coco would maybe you know. Again, we were just writing these songs and recording for fun. They were just demos. But in our minds at that time, that's what we were just shocked that Bubbly was. But it was a refreshing sound of, of very simple music and instrumentation and a very simple melody. So Here's Bubbly for those, for the one person that's never heard it. And I crinkle my nose wherever it goes. 2007. Yeah. That you make me so it's 2007. Like, what, what would you tell yourself right now, you... This girl who is about to go out on tour, the song's just been recorded. What do you tell her? Um, I would say to spend more time preparing and practicing and, and figuring out, you know, how to enjoy performing live and remembering people. I think because of, like, like I feel like there's trauma in my mind from, like, how it started that I, like, don't, I don't remember a lot of things and a lot of people. I think my mind, like, seriously, I was too nervous and busy to remember it. And so I, I feel like I run into people all the time and I... I hate that I don't remember them, but I, it happens to me. So I'd say just try to really try to enjoy it because I, I was too overwhelmed to even be able to enjoy it. What's the most 2000s? Who's the most 2000s person that you can remember meeting? Like a Tom Green or oh like somebody. I don't know if you met Tom Green. <laughs> I, but I don't think I did. But I, I, you think of, um, you know, when you were blowing up and somebody else who was kind of blowing up at the same time. Yeah. Who, who's the most 2000s person that you think you got to tour with or hang out with? Oh, I mean, well, like Natasha Bedingfield. Oh, it's a like, great 2000s person. Yeah, I loved her. I loved her. Yeah. I was a giant fan of hers. And now we're friends, which I still think about. Like when we talk, I'm like, there's still that back in my mind. Like how I'm talking to Natasha Bedingfield. That's, I got to tour with John Mayer. I mean, that was another thing that I listened to his music forever. I, his Continuum album, I worked at a tanning salon. I was listening to it. And then a year later, I was I almost like was on tour with him. Basically, I, was, I think it was a year later, I was on tour with him. I mean, that kind of stuff is crazy. You know, I auditioned for Bubbly, um, or uh, for American Idol with Bubbly. You sang it to the producer? Yeah, and outside. They, and they the said thing. no? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't right for the show, so it made sense. But I, yeah. I know people now. If you need to get on now. <laughs> <laughs> I sang it last year yeah. or two years ago on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. You did the duet the, um, yeah. in L.A. when With Maddie Poppy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Maddie is great. Maddie, Maddie won that freaking show. I know. Came She's out of nowhere. So good. Yeah, she, she is so good. Her voice. Uh, Realize was one of my favorites, if not my favorite. If you just realized, 2008. When you hear this song, what do you think about that's happened in your life right then? Um... When I when I was writing yeah, it, just just in general, like 2008, the song's blowing up. Like, where does it put you? Oh, that, yeah. I don't know where I was in the world, um, but I I I was. I think I remember when I shot the music video for this. I had just like dyed my hair brown and cut bangs, and I my label was like, "What are you doing? This is only your second single. You're not supposed to like change your look." Um, but no, I I think that's what I I think I I was somewhere in the world and. Um, and, you know, I wrote this song with Jason Reeves. Like, we, we wrote it together about his roommate who had a crush on me. It's really funny. When was it that you couldn't go out without people coming up and going, hey, are you Colby Calais? Um, 
I mean, it never crazy happened, but it it was definitely within that year, um, for sure, like the second year that was, I mean, I remember going to Asia and we had to have like police escort. It was something I had never, like I, that doesn't happen here in LA or, or, or in you know, the States, but it was, it was a gnarly, gnarly thing where just thousands of people were at this, you know, it was, it was amazing. But um, no, here, I think it's great that I, I, I get to still be me and I go out and about with no makeup most of the time. And, you know, sometimes a lot of people will just ask if, or they'll say I look like Colby Calais. And they don't ask if I am. They, what's your move with that? Because sometimes people I, will say that to me too. They'll go, you look, what, well, do you, what do you do? I feel like an asshole, but I, I'm like, <laughs> if you don't, I'm not, you didn't ask me the question. You didn't, you just said, hey, you look like her and kept walking. I'm not going <laughs> to, is it my duty to go tell you it's, it's me? It's a fine line. I don't because know if you, yo, It's me. It could come off also. It's very weird, strange. Someone so, yeah. at the ice cream shop the other night I went and they were like, has anyone ever told you you look like Bye Bones? And I said, let me see, pull up on your phone. Let me see what he looks like. <laughs> That's good. And, so, cause, and I had a minute. Okay. And she was very nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, she pulls it up and she's like, yeah. You look just like, and my, I didn't have, I have brown glasses on now and I had brown glasses on. Then I said, yeah, I guess the glasses are a little different. I said, but I can see. I said, he's a really good looking guy. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, he's all right. <gasps> so wait, she never got it? Never. What is wrong with people? That never. is, you gave her the never. full chance. I guess they, they don't believe that they would actually see you in person or just in like a regular area. I guess, but I just know how regular of an area guy I am. Yeah. But in, again, she said, he's all right. And I was like, no, you're- I was like, come on. <laughs> sure. You, did you know? Oh, that one hurt a little bit. Oh, that, that one that hurt does. a little bit. Um, yeah. Here's Brighter Than the Sun. <laughs> Was this on a TV show? They used a theme song for something? It sounds very Natasha Bedingfield, you know, The Hills. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, no, they did use it for something. I don't remember. It's, it sounds very thematic and yeah. something that I had watched a lot of. Yes. Um, this is a different sound, though, to me from you. Yeah. Was this, okay, we're going to make a change up with the, with the next project. Was that was that on purpose? Well, yeah, this was a few albums in, and this I wrote and um, produced with Ryan Tedder, um, and he... Well, you know, just so when I did my first album, Coco, I had no expectations. There wasn't I, there wasn't a sound we were going for. We just made the album and the label had nothing to do with it. And so I had no guidance or input. Then starting with album two, that's when all the input comes in. And, you know, they want me to start working with different all writers and, in, yeah. and all the all the people <laughs> that, you know, I'm not saying it was a bad thing. I'm so glad I had that experience. But they people always instantly want to change exactly what was just successful into something completely different that's successful by someone else. So they wanted to be me to become more popular, you know, um, and have it, it all just kind of changed. So I had to find find the balance with that of like accepting different writing sessions and producers and, and a different sound and also finding, you know, keeping the same thing that I've wanted and that what people knew of me. So I felt like it's interesting, brighter, it still has the same kind of like organic acoustic feel, but yeah, it, it was a departure for sure. Will you play brighter than the sun still? Yeah, I play it. In, you do play um, it? Yeah, for sure. Any songs where you're like, you know what? I just don't want to play that anymore. Um, Cause you have to play bubbly, obviously. Yeah. And I like playing, I like playing bubbly for sure. I think it's like, like my song I do, it was a, it was a single and it, it did well, but I don't, I feel like I was I was so young when I wrote it and I felt like I feel like it's just like a little bit cheesy and it's like um it's not a singer song. Like I don't So Mike plays it, that's funny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I think I like singing songs that I 
can sing more. And this one's a little bit more rappy, rhythmic-y, melodically. We won't make it. Sit through it. <laughs> I'm going to sing it for you. No, I definitely <laughs> don't. Uh, let's do uh, Try. There we go. You don't have to try so hard. You don't have to give it all away. 2014. This is relatively recent. So when you're putting out this project, what, what was in your mind? What, what are you thinking about? Like, you, are you trying to be a pop star? Are you trying to go be, like, what, what's the idea with your career? Uh, that was what my label wanted for me to do. So when you hear this full album, it's so different for me. And I, I, I wrote the songs. I actively you know, was involved in the production being the way that it was because I was excited about trying a new sound, but I don't think that it, it didn't work besides this song. Um, and I I just know that this song I wrote because I was feeling all the pressures of being asked to start being someone else, um, you know, even more heightened. And um, I think I was, so I went in the, the session with Babyface and um, Jason Reeves and, and Tony and I was just telling them, I'm like, I literally feel like they're trying to, everyone's trying to make me be a different person all of a sudden with the way I look and the music I'm doing. And um, it's exhausting. And it's, you know, I feel like I have to get dolled up to go anywhere, even though I never felt, I never felt that way. My family or or even the fans didn't make me feel that way. And so that's what made me write Try. And it was the best song off the album that, you know, of course, and it it was the most stripped and the most real, authentic in, in the writing. I'm only going to hit you with a couple more clips. Uh, mm-hmm. Lucky, you and Jason Mraz. Mm-hmm. This is a monster. Yeah. I used to play this a lot. Yeah. Yeah, on pop radio. So does he call you and go, did you write it together? Like, what's, yeah. you did write it together. Yeah, but not in the room together. So, yeah, he called me. And again, I was a huge fan of his. And I just think I got told from my, from my management that Mraz reached out and that he wanted to call me. So to be, I'll, I should be expecting his call. And I was freaking out. And uh, so he was like, hey, I have this idea I started, and I would love to write it with you. Of course, our schedules never aligned. We were both on tour, different parts of the world. And so we wrote it together over email ideas, um, me, him, and um, Tim Fagan, who was in my band, actually, uh, at the time. And so we sent these voice memos back and forth over email and lyric ideas. And then I recorded it with him in London. So you guys recorded it together, though? Yeah. We so did. it's like playing chess with someone as you mail the moves back it's, and forth. It's interesting, for sure. I've I've done it a few times now where you actually write like from over email or sending ideas back and forth. And there's something to it, but there's also something about being in the room with someone. Uh, one more. Here's Breathe, uh, Taylor Swift, and Colby. How did this one come together? Taylor asked me to come uh, write a song with her. And so I came here to Nashville. And, um, and she had a, a lot of this song already started. I, I thought it was so beautiful. And I, right then, that when I first met her, I, I think she was 15, um, I knew her brilliance. I, I was just blown away at how fast of a writer she was and how personable and how intellectual she was. And, um, and so she wanted me then to come back to Nashville and, and sing harmony, which now Nathan Chapman, I work with a ton. So Yeah, Nathan's great, huh? Yeah. yeah. You watch uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel? Literally, my favorite show. I've, I'm on my third time watching it right now. So here's what happened to me. Okay. I started it. So I'm at home. Yeah. I have so many friends that are like-minded and sensibility <laughs> that love it. Yeah. And I trust my like-minded, sensibly friends. You're not friends. into it. No, hold on. Okay, I'll tell okay, you why. Okay. <laughs> I'd, never, I'd never seen an episode, right? Okay. So I turned it on. I'm like, it's my big day. Been waiting for stretch out. I'm not home a lot, but when I am home, I'm going to sit down with some marvelous Miss Maisel. <laughs> pull it up on Amazon. Very excited. I hit yeah. the button and I start. And it's my first episode ever. And she's on stage and it's like a USO thing. And she's singing. She's opening up for some act. And 
I'm like, I just can't get into this. I'll watch watch another episode. That's what you that's what you started on. That's not the first season. I know, it's season what three. Are you doing? I know. I just hit play on it. <laughs> oh my! And I God. watched two and a half episodes, <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'm an idiot because all my smart friends like this show. Yeah. And I can't get into it. Got it. But I started watching. Almost three episodes in season three. I haven't seen season one and two, and I can't get myself to start over again. It's okay. Because I already know what mm. happened. Spoiler, she opens for some guy in the USO. Okay, that's not the full, that's they not where out it of their goes. <laughs> oh my God. Well, first of all, I've, I've said, I've recommended the show to so many people, and I feel like guys actually don't, aren't into it. Justin is, he, I lost him, I think like fourth episode in, basically, um, but I, I also know people love Breaking Bad, and I could not... I couldn't get into it. I tried. I think I watched like the first, you know, season and a half and I, it was oh, you like gave torture. It that much? I mean, oh, over, I, no, I, I quit. And then I, I was like, okay, we have to do this. And I still, me and Justin are like, I don't, what is it? Everyone in the world says it's the best show ever created. And I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely slow. Mm-hmm. It, it crawls and you kind of have to get into that crawl pace with it. Uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, I loved it. Okay. Mostly, if I find people that like Game of Thrones, they also like Breaking Bad because Game of Thrones is so slow. Yeah. But I also am not someone who likes the wizardry, and, and I still really like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Well, and I had said no to watching Game of Thrones, and then it was Justin and I were on the airplane, and he was like third season in, and I was just like watching, and I, I kept asking what, what was going on, and then I started watching with him from there to the end, and then I started over, and we watched it all again. Oh, so, you, wow. So then, yeah. It's, yeah. But I mean, I, I will, I, back to what you're saying of how, some people, everyone can love something, and then you just don't understand why you're the one that doesn't. But it triggers you, something. And what's your favorite show? If you had to pick one that you can watch at any point, Miss Maisel. No, Friends. Oh, yeah, still hands oh, down. Yeah. Friends. Office would be second. I'm the second. I'm I'm wrapped around the other way. Okay. Nonstop. I watch The Office every night. So we do too. But I would be watching. I, not that I wouldn't. I love Office, but Justin's not as much of a Friends fan and so we watched that less but i would be watching it only have you met any of them yes i met jennifer aniston um on tour with john mayer and um i again back to the introvertedness um she watched my set side stage i got off stage she said hi to me i said oh my god so nice to meet you i love friends and then she was like sit down or whatever i said i had to go and I left, and I never <laughs> talked to her again. I'm not joking you. And I every time I'm like, I yeah, I just I do that. So I met Lisa Kudrow. I did. I had like, have you ever met her? No. She's as nice as she is. I, I had like a really small part in a movie once. I had like nine lines. <laughs> and so she was in the movie, and so I was sitting next to her in a chair when they were doing our hair and makeup. And she was talking about the weather or whatever. And I, she goes, Hey, how's your day going? And I said, I love friends. Oh I didn't my even God. answer You're the question. Like, I yeah, I was just like, I love friends. I'm just going to say it. I love. And she yeah. was like, oh, thanks. And then she talked about it. It was, it was, it was our one moment. I, okay. I didn't quite run away. Okay. I think because I was tethered into the chair. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think she's the, have you ever met anyone from the office? Um, yes, I met, yes, I met Steve Carell once. How was that? I think I met him just in passing. Yeah, and I met the Breaking Bad guy, and I got to say hi to him, and I told him I haven't watched his show, but all my- Which, the Breaking Bad guy? The main guy. Brian Cranston? Yeah, Brian Cranston. <laughs> sorry. Bra- I'm sorry. I'm bad with names and all the things, so- That's funny. Yeah. Um, have you watched Parasite yet? No. The movie that just won Best Picture? No. Have you heard about it? You don't even know what's going You said that in a way if you didn't know what it was. I don't know. So, I only watched it a couple nights ago, but it is. it just won Best Picture at the Oscars. Okay. Would have never even stumbled upon it. But it's one of those that all your friends start going, watch it. Here's the kicker. It's 
in Korean. Oh, okay. So you have to you have to read subtitles. Yeah. But it did it did win the the. Oh, okay. Yeah. No way. I haven't. I mean, no, I haven't seen it, but I I have heard about that. But no, I I'm not. Um, Would you watch a movie with subtitles? I try not to. Because I try not to too. Basically, Justin always wants to, and I always say no because it's distracting to me. It stresses me out. Like I feel like I'm always having to like pay attention. Otherwise, I'm gonna miss a. It just doesn't. It gives me anxiety. So it was good though. That's good. And I did not want to watch a movie with subtitles. Well, good. Okay. Have you seen anything lately? Yes. We've been watching a lot of... Did you watch Knives Out by any chance? No, that's on our list. Yeah. We were going to rent it the other night, but... It's interesting. It's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. And I never want to tell people something, because Mike told me the Parasite was the best movie he's ever seen or something, and I was like, great. Here we go. <laughs> Strap in, boys. And then it, nothing lives up to hype. What? Yeah. And also, it can register to us in a different way of whatever we're going through or whatever something in our childhood what it who knows what what how it affects us and why we love something so much or what, have you, what have you watched give so, me a recommendation if, if i'm like oh you got to give me something to watch i'm gonna go down so the outsider we started have you that's a new show oh so it's a show it's okay. a show um what is that it's with um jason bateman and oh yeah i've heard about this oh also i love ozark do you like ozark mm-hmm Okay, so yeah. that, um, but no, yeah, the the outsider. It's very, it's like a little creepy too, but it's I'm hooked on it and it's really good. Creepy as in horror or creepy as in uh, sci-fi? Like, uh, not horror. I mean, it's it's just basically like you're wondering what's going on and there's murder involved for sure in like a creepy way that you no one knows yet. Have so. you watched The Watchmen? No. On HBO? No. No. All right, you're up. Oh, we're passing pick, pick, back pick and another forth? One until, until we hit one together? We, I mean, we just literally finished um, The Stranger last night. I wouldn't necessarily I recommend. Yeah. Um, can I, I, I texted Justin. He would know all the shows. Does he pick the shows for the most part? Yeah, I really, otherwise, like, I'm a person that I either won't watch TV or I'll watch Friends or Mrs. Maisel or The Office. Like, I don't, I don't. That's what I watch, The yeah. Office, all the time. I did watch Cheer. Have you seen Cheer? No. Okay, so it's on Netflix. I would never watch a cheerleading show. Okay. But it's about, it's a docu-series, it's six parts about this college cheerleading team that tries to win nationals, but it's not even, a, it's not cheerleading like two plus two plus four yeah. or whatever they do. It's, it's gnarly. It's yeah. hardcore. Yeah. And it's really one of the best series I've seen in years. Okay. Mike, did you like it? I did like it. Yeah. Did you expect you like to it? like it? You didn't expect to because you're like, what's the show about cheerleading going to be about? But it's within like the first episode, you're into it. Okay. Did you watch the Aaron Hernandez documentary? No, but that's one that we're going to maybe watch. And it's only three parts. Okay. Yeah, it? it's, it's. I mean, he was Justin was telling me about it. It's. It'll blow your mind at how much either you didn't know, forgot, or that just happened. And he was such. He was as big of an athlete as you could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Yet he was living a double life, murdering people. That's ins- that's crazy. It's wild. Um. What about the um? Oh, I just totally forgot what it was. I'll come back to it. We're not going to quit. How many times have you asked? Because Eddie, my friend and also my partner in my comedy band, how many times? Do you get asked, what did he say? Uh, Mike? Can you count me in? Oh, can you count? How many times do you get asked about that? <laughs> can you count me in at the front of Bubbly? Often. What, and what is that? What do you mean? What, like what happened in that scenario? Why do you go, will you count me in and on that part of the song? Oh, got it. So um, I was actually embarrassed that Michael, our producer, uh, wanted to, to keep it in. Um, I, when I wrote Bubbly, I was playing it on the guitar and I was playing it in a little bit of a different way. And so I didn't, he played the guitar for that recording. So all of a sudden I was now just singing the melody and it was a different kind of, I, this is why I'm saying it's embarrassing. So at some point I kept coming in on the wrong spot of a song I wrote of the chords, everything that I, 
I don't know why I couldn't figure it out. And so I finally was just like, will you count me in? And he like put the mic talk back on. He was like, that was so cute. I want to keep that. And I was like, no, you're not keeping that. That's like, that. how embarrassing is that? Um, but he kept it and that was the, went on the demo. And then it's something that people loved and it still surprises me to this day. Worst your name has ever been butchered on a big stage? Oh, um, it's usually like Caliat. Yeah. But you know, when I go to France, they tell me I say it wrong. Um, you're supposed to say it Kaya. Kaya. Oh, yeah. So... I was going to say that before you came in, but I didn't feel like it was my place, but I'm glad they do. <laughs> yeah. You ever get on a TV show and they, or you go into like a big radio show and they're like, they say your name wrong mm. and you just have to go. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And, or, or, I mean, I even had like a neighbor that like, for like, how do, how do you correct someone? You're, it's going to make it awkward and you're going to embarrass them. So, and I haven't found the right way of not embarrassing someone yet. So do you just let them go with it or do you... A lot of people, even with Gone West, they say we're Go West, which is an 80s band. Oh, so then we're true. like, oh, do we interrupt and say it's actually not our name or do we let it just go and then people not, I don't know. I was doing the, because we, we launched Idol Sunday night and I had to do a press tour. So I, you sit in a room and they patch you into all of these TV stations. I'm talking yeah. to all the news people. And so I did <clears> 22 stations. I got four Bobby Joneses instead of Bobby Bones. And they just call you Bobby Jones and just keep going. They don't even realize it's the wrong name. Yeah. So what I do at this point, because yeah. they mess it up so much, is I just eventually reference myself again as Bobby Jones, <laughs> just for my own <laughs> no, personal enjoyment. No, that's hilarious. Yeah, and it's like, you know what Bobby Jones says? You go get him, oh American Idol. Oh my God. I, got, I bet all the viewers or listeners are just like, is his name Bobby Jones? I'm so confused. And then I got two Bobby boys. Okay. So like, I feel you a little bit on people messing it up. And at this point, it is. Why? What are you going to do? Yeah. I think they either didn't, they obviously know that's not your name. It just might just come out wrong and they didn't know. Maybe they're but nervous. But my name is so stupid. I don't know that they know that because Bones isn't my real last name. I've used it my entire professional career, but I don't think they know that. I think sometimes they think it's a typo because it looks like a pirate. Like, what does this guy think he's a pirate or something? You think that they really just think that it's a typo? It is a typo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I think because okay. I think it's a ridiculous name. Okay. Um, you have a lot of emojis in your Instagram bio. I looked at it. Me too. Um, what's your favorite emoji? Uh, maybe the yellow heart. Okay. We're going to roll through some of these and then we'll be done and we'll see if you have a TV show before we end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ever meet Tom from MySpace? No. In, never. Mm-mm. Uh, let's see. You, ever, did you? No. Okay. God, I, w- I never got any sort of notoriety until Tom was like working at the subway down the street. <laughs> you know, it was, over. <laughs> it was no, I, uh, let's see. Have you ever played a celebrity's wedding? Yes. Is it, did you sign an NDA where you can't say whose it was? No, but I probably shouldn't say. Was it Beyonce? No, All that right. would be cool. Right. Yes, I sang at Beyonce's <laughs> wedding, everyone. <laughs> did your dad bring famous musicians around the house? Um, uh, I got to go into the studio and meet them. So I got to meet Fleetwood Mac over the years early on and a bunch of people. Yeah. What do you remember about your first show ever after? Just say your first show where, where <clears throat> you kind of blew up on MySpace and were like, hey, go play for somebody. What do you remember about that? Before I got signed, because there's a... You know, let's just say first show. I don't know what comes to mind. First show. Um, I can't... I mean, honestly, the f- I, I sang at like a couple, like a uh, hotel cafe in LA. And I did that a couple times before I got signed or even right after I got signed. And um, again, I was green and I was... It was nerve wracking and everyone could tell I was just this like very shy, quiet person. But I, yeah, I did it. We're going to end on this one. Instead of a last meal... You're offered a last song, and this is what you listen to before you die. Yeah. You didn't have to commit a crime. You didn't get, you're not on death cool. row. You're just 100. Okay. What song do you pick? Bob Marley, Waiting in Vain. 
Is that also your favorite song or mm-hmm. is that just a song you've decided? No, it's my favorite song. I think because I love when a song you can listen to when you're happy or sad and, and it can either way make you feel good. And um, I'll be, like, I think every Bob song does that, but Waiting in Vain, when it comes on, my heart just gets happy. Who was the first, I'm just asking this because when you talk about that, it reminds me, because you mentioned John Mayer, who's my favorite artist. Mm-hmm. He was the first person that ever wrote songs that I went, oh, I felt that. Yeah. And, and that was a big part of my life to go, oh, people write songs how I feel. Yeah. We, he's a, you know, we're around the same age. He was <laughs> saying things. He's a, I was like, oh, I get that. Yeah. Who was that artist for you where they're writing things and you're hearing things and you're going, oh, my God, I, like, I get that. I think it was John Mayer, too. So like my three most influenced, like the artists that have influenced me is Lauryn Hill for singing and then Fleetwood Mac for like just the kind of music that they do. Um, I mean, everything, really. And then John Mayer, because his lyrics, honestly... So many of his songs, I, I, you know, a line, and it's just so brilliant. So, I mean, even even his line, it says, "Fear is a friend who's misunderstood." I always loved hearing that line because I it help it. I tries I try to look at fear in a different way because of that. I think he's brilliant. The uh, what's your favorite John Mayer song? Before I tell you my story, it's a tough one. Oh shoot! I'll tell you mine okay. then, as you think about it. Yeah. Mine is "Stop This Train." Mm, yes, continues my favorite mu- collection yeah. of music. Yeah. Period. Ever mm-hmm. again, if you were born in the eighties. And you love that kind of music. It just it speaks to me. Yeah. Time period. Yeah. My vibe, and his line. I'm so scared of getting older. I'm only good at being young. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh, you're just saying what I'm saying without me saying it. Exactly. And it was the first time that I was like, I felt corely connected to a song. Well, I think that's the best part about songwriting is that someone, any person, can write something that they're going through, and it could be about something completely different or the same, and then the listener can relate and feel like they're not alone. And I think that's why we all love songwriting so much is that it connects us and it helps us feel like whether it's good or bad, we're not alone. We're in it together. Our favorite John Mayer song? You've had a you minute. Don't, I'm, indec- I'm indecisive. This is very a lot of pressure. Um, honestly, I love Room for Squares and... Um, Continuum, those are my favorite albums of his, and so I can't decide. I think Gravity might be one of them, but I can't decide. Okay, we'll, we'll leave there then. Thank you. Uh, everybody check out Gone West, at Gone West Music on Instagram, and I'm telling you, you probably think they're good, but again, I'll say it too. When you guys played, I remember I remember talking to, to Justin, just hitting him up in Amble and going, oh my God, you guys are good. Because in the <laughs> land of giants, everybody's large here. Yeah. This is the land of giants where everybody's good. Yeah. But then there are a few where you go, oh, there's like something, something there. Um, yeah, and you guys were that good all singing oh, together. Thank you for saying I definitely, that. I definitely wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it, too. I appreciate that. I would just be like, that's it for the show, yeah. everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> um, all right, so um, follow at Gone West Music. Uh, you can follow Colby at Colby Calais. I'm not even going to try to spell it. Uh, um, it's Colby Calais for those listening. Uh, Colby, good to see you. Good to see you, too, yeah, Bobby. I hope... Um, Hope this was fun for you. We did, a, fun. we did an hour and eight minutes. Did we? I, yeah. I mean, I could, this is great. Thanks for having me over at your house. Now time for hour two. Ready, Mike? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> All right, episode 228, uh, Colby Calais. Thanks, everybody. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. 
This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.